Hey, this is Jay Whitaker of the Geek Show Podcast. You are now listening to Old Ute Radio. Tune in now, because it's about to go down. You're listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. And it hurts so good. Patrick Ramirez, how are you, sir? I'm good. Good day, good Tuesday. Feel good. How are you? Well, I got stood up today. Really? Yeah. Stood up. Date stood up. What happened? Yeah, I got stood up by a beautiful lady. Oh, really? I asked her out on a date. And I get the uh, proverbial eight in the morning text. Hi, Sasha. I'm not feeling good. Do you mind if we postpone our dinner tonight? What I wanted to say or what I did say, sir? Uh, let, let's start with what you did say. I'm the girl on the other line. I bailed on you. I'm canceling. What you respond to? Okay. Response back? Nothing. She has a little thing on the iPhone where you know she read it. Uh, she doesn't have a smartphone. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right, so that's what you wrote to her. So what did you want to write to her? Because I think I know what I would have wanted to write. That she wasn't pretty enough anyways. Oh, straight <laughs> straight for the slam dunk straight you were going to go. Straight to the jugular, straight to the viciousness, straight to my utter discontent with people not having the ability to do their jobs. Okay. Because her, her job... Was to go out with you. Was to have dinner with me. Yeah. And I even hate to call it a job, because we're good friends. Well, we're not... We've been talking to each other for like two years, you know. And we have tremendous conversations, and she likes me. I know that. Like, you get that vibe from her smile, from the way she holds her shoulders, to the way she looks in my eyes. Have you guys been out before? No. You know she had two years and never been out? No, never well, a- never asked her. Have you seen this girl? Physically seen her? Naked? Na- <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my next question. <laughs> it's an important one. Uh, yeah. No, I've never seen is this woman. Is this an internet thing? No, she's a real human being here at the University of Utah. But you never seen her or met her? Oh, no, we t- we've talked a couple of days a week but like, for the last two, three years. Uh, oh, but like just text, emails, not face to face. Just, she works in the student union building, and so on my way up to do this tremendous radio show, with my dumb face, I say hello. Is that our guest? Yes. Okay, we'll be with him in a second. No, it was just one of those casual things where like, hey, how are you? What are you studying? This and that, yada yada yada, and we did that for like two years. 
you know, then we start talking about personal okay. things. Well, now I'm I'm relieved because I thought this was an internet thing you've never met. It's like a Manti Teo thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but you've physically seen this girl. Oh yeah, she's she's gorgeous. Okay, all right, she, but she canceled on you. Yeah. My my in my personal view with in the dating world, you gotta want to quit. As a guy, you gotta be as disinterested as possible, because when you're interested, that's a stink on you that you're not gonna get off. So you gotta want to quit. So that would be in in my world, that would be an, uh, an out that now you don't have to uh, you don't have to ask her out anymore. Now, of course, it never works that way. You always feel bummed out, but that would be that would be how my brain works. Great. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know, and I took a year off from dating because I had my heart broken from an evil woman who we were supposed to get married and then she gave me the ultimatum and i told her to see you later uh-huh so you took a year off yeah it's always interesting when a guy takes a year off from dating because a girl takes a year off i think that's a, a more monumental thing i've taken years off of uh dating by circumstance and <laughs> not not by my own personal views well, i was just went on a self-imposed sabbatical Oh, I needed a break because, like, after you get out of a bad relationship, you either rethink things, kind of find yourself again, or you just go slump busting, like, every mm -hmm. night at every bar in town. And I did that in my early 20s. Like, after I had my kid and his mom and I broke up, like, I hit everything I could. Like, size, age, uh, didn't matter. Like, size, age, nationality. Tax bracket. Criminal record. Criminal record. <laughs> Some of these things you, you said were would be a bonus to me. <laughs> so this time I said, instead of doing that and losing part of your sexuality, I'm going to go keep building radio, keep building on my careers that I'm so working on. Put that on. effort into your, your stuff. Yeah, and my drinking and okay. barbecuing. And my drinking. <laughs> into my work and my drinking. Mostly <laughs> drinking. Yeah, at night, you know. So do you have a plan? Do you have a plan you're going to ask her out again? Or is this a, uh, you robbed the bank, now you got to make the getaway? Mm. She did text me at 8 in the morning. Yeah, that's early. But I've fired people before for texting me at 8 in the morning saying they can't do something. Yeah. So I don't know. So you don't know. You're undecided right now if you're going to ask her out again. Or you're going to attempt to ask her out again. Or... Well, I really want to say some sex. Well, she at, she invited me to please reschedule with her. Okay. But how do I know that's the truth? Her truth, her word. No, really I get it. That's confusing. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's, that's the nicest blow off you could get yeah. to it. You know what? I think it's always a good trick, especially in texting. If you're the guy or the girl, you want to be the you, – you want to leave the dead air. Like when she's sending a text and you're sending some back, when she writes good night, you want to leave it at that. Don't write good night back. Leave the dead air. See, That's I a little trick. Being, I hate being an ass, though. It's not an ass. You're not being an ass. You're just sort of like trying to like create some, uh, some attraction. I see. You see what I'm saying? You know, you, you kind of want to be the cool guy. A cool guy leaves dead air. A needy guy writes, well, when am I going to talk to you again? So I shouldn't be stalking her and knowing where she lives, what her bra size I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> I did not. Don't go put words in my mouth, Bloomberg. Sorry, sir. <laughs> but uh, I want to move on to our next yes. discussion because we're going to go to break real quick. 
we're talking cycling, my hatred for spandex. We're going to talk about how to build a bike, how to ride a bike, how to be successful riding a bike with two professional ex Yeah, we have guys. a good, a really good one today. Good guest, someone I've known a long time, but uh, someone I've never got a chance to sit down and talk with. Uh, really one-on-one. Gentleman who kind of like, and I'll get into it with him, was kind of like the man around town. Was like the guy who wore the Letterman's jacket. In Swinging high school, the big bike pump. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> swing, <laughs> swing in the big inner tube, which is also a, a weird website I may or may not subscribe to. <laughs> but uh, it should be good. Really looking forward to it. What's his name? His name is Dave Harwood. I like that. Yes. And then at eight o'clock, in the eight o'clock hour, we have the beautiful, the talented Michelle Bod talking sports. We got a big sports week that happened yes. last week for for us University Utah folks. Nine o'clock, Camp Jackie with Jackson Banks, comedian Jackson Banks. He's got a guest coming in, and I'll leave it at that. So, why don't you play me some good, beautiful music, sir? And when we get back, we will have Bike Talk on OU Radio. Gimmicks, there we go again. Gimmicks, man. I'm tired of people saying we're buying gimmicks. What is this? The world is nothing but a big gimmick, isn't it? Wars, napalm bombs, and all that. People get burned up on TV, and it's nothing but a fi- gimmick. Yes, we do. Patrick Ramirez, how are you, sir? Good, good. Feel good. I hear you're making the rich people and the liberals joke up in Park City this weekend. I have a show this uh, Thursday in uh, Park City. Should be good. It'll be a lot of Patagonia vests to make laugh, <laughs> yes, a lot sir. of complicated sandals mm-hmm. uh, worth seeing. It should be good. I've never been there before. I've never performed at the Egyptian Theater. And there's some other funny folks. Yeah, Jay Whitaker. Jay Whitaker, uh, Jackson Banks, who's at the 9 o'clock show. Uh, He's going to uh, scare the hell out of everybody, I'm sure. They didn't put him on the poster. I like that. He doesn't deserve poster time, in my no. opinion. No, the kid needs less posters, <laughs> if anything. Uh, well, Keyutes Wallace Fetzer will be there. Anyone else I'm missing? I know I am missing a couple names. Uh, probably missing one or two in there. Host uh, Keith Barney puts it on. It should be fun. should be a good time. So I'm very excited for today's interview because for the past two and a half years on this show, I have gone basically into temper tantrums at times with these men who wear spandex who ride on the bike pretending they have a vehicle. To yeah, you do have a problem with that. To explain, I would say I have a problem with that too to some degree though. <laughs> to explain that, teach us about endurance, health, how to buy a bike, we have Dave Hardward in studio. He's an endurance coach. He's been building and racing bikes for 25 years. Welcome to the show, good sir. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for coming, Dave. I uh, kind of wanted to get Dave in. Um, I was joking with someone um, about uh, a rider in Boulder, a guy named Chuck Coyle, and how people would laugh and they'd be like, that's the mayor of Boulder. He was a racer who did every race, was friendly, knew everybody. And I was like, who would our mayor of Salt Lake cycling be? And it was like, oh, it'll probably be Dave. 
Dave would be our mayor of Salt Lake Valley. That is kind. Dude, yeah, yeah. You've done it a long time. When I first moved here, you were like the varsity. The varsity. Yeah, guy. like the varsity. You know, I was like the JV. So <laughs> I definitely wanted to uh, to ask you some questions about it all. Nice. Um, yeah. You've done it a long time. How long have you been riding? I've been riding since I was a very little kid. Rode, yeah. rode a lot of BMX bikes. Rode bikes just to terrorize the neighborhood. Uh, when I was in high school, so I graduated in 1987, mm -hmm. uh, riding bikes for fun was kind of weird. Yeah. You know, it, it was the, the whole skateboarding thing, riding bikes. Yeah, and so it wasn't cool to ride a bike. Well, I, it didn't seem like it. Yeah, and I got uh, quite interested in mountain biking. Mm -hmm. Mountain biking uh, had been around for a little while, but not at a, a really mainstream level. You know, you'd be walking around campus here, and you'd see a couple people riding mountain bikes around, and I just thought, man, that looks awesome. And so I finally got a mountain bike and realized that there were mountain bike races and that had a lot of appeal to me and so in 1989 i started racing mountain bikes so you don't have a fear then of going fast or crashing of getting hurt i i that makes me nervous yeah but not when you started not when you were young right no and and even now like, I'll get out and think, wow, it would really suck to crash. And then <laughs> you start ripping it. You find an awesome trail. You find a fun road to descend down a canyon, and you let it all go. And until you realize you're going down, yeah. you forget about it. Yeah. I think um, it's one of those things probably skiers can relate to this. Skier probably has 99 dangers and one upside. But yet – the industry is huge. Everybody enjoys it. Everybody has a good time. So it, I, I get what you're saying. Like you never think of the bad stuff until you're five seconds into the bad stuff to it. Were yeah. you a, uh, an athletic kid? Were you into sports? I skied a lot. I, yeah. I grew up in Utah. Uh, I grew up 45 minutes away from Snowbird and Alta. Mm -hmm. And so we skied a lot. We were outdoors all the time. My summer trips were... Uh, to Moab, to Zion, to Yellowstone. Uh, you have like a really stereotypical Utah family that was like outdoorsy, uh, into not rocks. Not necessarily. No, I they mean, weren't. It, it was funny because my grandparents would take us <laughs> hiking, and my well, grandma. Well, maybe that's unusual to me. Yeah, <laughs> it was like my, my family sure. was like, guys like pizza. <laughs> We're gonna eat more pizza. <laughs> I never met any any like people before I moved here that were into like rock climbing. I never knew what a rock climbing gym was until a I came new here. Experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, there would be a couple times during the week on weeknights where uh, we would take dinner up the canyon really? and go eat dinner at a picnic spot. Sure. Oh wow, that's cool. How and big a family do you have? I have one brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes our my aunts and uncles and cousins we'd we'd head up the canyon together for a dinner and we'd climb half the mountain. So there was no like pushback when you got into cycling because it's not the most traditional of sports uh, for a kid. It seems like you know, they by probably the time, would have been supportive. Yeah, by the time I was really interested in racing bikes and getting into mountain bikes, I was in college. Oh, okay. I, I had interest, 
you know, riding BMX bikes, it was more of a tool, but, you know, we built jumps and, mm -hmm. and raced, but it was not quite the same as, as how you would prepare for mountain bike racing or road racing. Mm-hmm. I see. And then when you first got into it, were you all in early? Were you like, this is something I want to put all, air, all my effort into, or, or did it sort of grow? For me, it, it grew. It was, little by little. It was one of those where if I wasn't in class or at my part-time job, I was wanting to mm -hmm. be riding the mountain bike. It was full gas. Mm -hmm. On the mountain, just mountain at that point? Just mountain, uh -huh. yes. Yeah. And when did you transition to road, or did you do both for a long time? Um, I didn't start up with I, – I used a road bike a little bit for training, mm -hmm. but uh, I didn't really start road racing until – 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So I, I raced mountain bikes really focused until about 1995, and I severely overtrained myself and injured myself yeah. because of <laughs> overtraining. Yeah. So I was going to say, if there's anything someone could not accuse me of, it was never, it was, it was overtraining. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like overstudying. Like, I did not overstudy. <laughs> So take me through that because I know there's a lot of downhill aspects to mountain biking, but there's also a lot of incline. There's a lot of steady ascending right over long, long miles of track. And you can't do it in the winter very well, I imagine. But so what was your training regimen in the winter, in the late fall? Because I imagine the day spring comes, you know, you're, not only are you facing guys with steroid use, but men who are very, very competitive. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I found out that I was one of those super competitive uh, personalities. Sure. I didn't really realize that until I started racing bikes, and, and that really brought out that competitive nature. It, you know, as far as the mountain bike riding goes, it it's all terrain-dependent, trail you know your trail choices we've got uh mountain single track around here mm -hmm. but you go three hours to the southeast and you've got a completely different landscape in the moab area where there's a lot of super technical riding uh the speed slows down a lot and the skill required goes up a mm -hmm. lot uh and so you know you've got just a huge variety and that's the wonderful thing about utah mm -hmm. is the, the landscape at the southeast uh, corner of the state is unique to the landscape at the southwest corner to what we have up here. Yeah, it's really varying terrain, and yeah. it's hard to describe oh, to so someone. Oh, so you could go down south then and ride bikes during the winter in the north. Yeah, and, okay. and it, you know— Or go uh, to Vegas or something. Vegas now has a lot of really fun desert single track, St. George, Moab— like the trails in Moab that we used to go hit 25 years ago, there were five or six go-to trails, and they were all fairly technical. Uh, anymore, there there's a, areas with 30 to 40 miles of single track in in different areas around Moab mm -hmm. that are almost unique to each area. It's so crazy how important pe or how much importance people place on recreation in the state. Yeah. And it's really kind of cool. Like, this is a way to enjoy the state we live in or in a social aspect. You go with your buddies. And it's really, like, supported. You can go mountain biking in the winter in southern Utah and, of course, skiing. So, like, outdoorsy folks, I don't know how you do better 
within the state of Utah. Yeah. Really, it's a great place for, for that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'll, you'll find people who, you know, they get a mountain bike ride in, say, in January when we've been dry in the valley. Mm-hmm. Then they go s- ski in the afternoon and get some awesome turns mm-hmm. in good snow. Yeah, very. It, it is hard to beat here. Very, yeah, it's very interesting. It's a kind of an added bonus to it that, like, I didn't know until I was here a couple of years. Like, hey, this is a cool place to do almost anything outdoors. Yeah. Thinking, like, about, like, I want to track, like, your career. W- w- you went to school here. I did. What did you study? I studied journalism for my bachelor's degree. Did you really? And actually, I wondered if this would be the spot where you guys were doing the interviews. You sort of knew. I, w- I did a semester or a quarter back then we were on the quarter Quarter system system. Mm -hmm. it's been a while uh and i was one of the evening djs for kute oh is that right well welcome back sir yeah (laughs) that's right we played records uh and that was something different than probably happens now yeah were those some early do you have those aspirations to be due to work in journalism to be a dj i was really interested in the idea of journalism and I started out thinking uh, more broadcast radio and then moved more towards print. Oh. And then as soon as I finished up my bachelor's degree, I became a statistician. Oh, really? Oddly. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Doing stats, racing bikes yeah. to it. Like, I think one of the hardest things to describe to someone who doesn't ride and race bikes a bunch like yourself is the balance of racing and training and then having to hold down a job to make a living and make your bills and stuff. Was that difficult? How did you It's It's not hard. It's not easy uh, when you become super obsessed Mm -hmm. because you have to put in the time. If you want, you know, kind of what I was trying to do was race regionally in the national racing calendar races trying to hit six or seven of those per year along with all of the local racing and the amount of preparation it takes you're talking anywhere from 12 to 20 hours of training per week uh, to go along with working uh, or if you're working and in school working school family yeah it's and then you're dieting you're on a caloric it never really ends it doesn't never really it becomes you never punch out essentially yeah. Did you, being, you, you strike me as maybe, could I say like type A personality? It seems like if you were to say, this is my schedule, this is my work, this is my training, I would guess that you're going to follow that to the T. Were you very strict with yourself? Yeah. Yeah. yeah when, when I have a training plan, mm-hmm. I, it's like to the minute. Yeah. And, and I, I try to hit all of the intervals exactly how they're programmed. <laughs> uh, and, and you look at it you kind of pull yourself back and it it seems kind of crazy mm-hmm. but yeah. when you're when you're focused and right there it it makes all the sense in the world that seems to be like what you lock in on oh yeah is the structure yeah of it so like early racing did you have aspirations to be a, a professional i would have really liked that uh-huh. uh, i think the thing that i what was year is this more or less is it in the so road 2003 no, this was um, as a mountain bike racer. Uh-huh. You know, I, I looked up to all the originals, Ned Overend, yeah. John Tomac, uh, the guys who really paved the way for professional mountain bike racing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, on the road, uh, I had been watching 
whatever Tour de France I could see through the late 70s and early 80s, which mm -hmm. was not very much. We didn't have access. Like, in, when I was coming up, it was, you could watch the tour through a cable network that not everybody had the channel. It was called yeah. Outdoor Life Network. And there was a kid on the block that had <laughs> access to it and would video, t would record it on VHS. Yeah. And we would watch it over and over again. Yeah, a so half it, hour. Yeah, 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 you'd have a half hour. And uh, that's all you had. There was no, you couldn't watch on the internet, and there'd no, be a little no. blurb in the newspaper, that'd be about it. Oh, maybe. You know? So, maybe. And then you could have your subscription to your once a month magazine, but there was no live video. No. So it, it's very, it's crazy how much it's grown, but the early days, you really had to go full detective. You would read about it. Oh, you could watch Rad. What are you talking you could about? Watch Rad. <laughs> watch Rad. Now, Rad, yeah. That, yeah, that's I was on that. a training program of Rad, uh, USA Today. Gleaming the Cube. And, uh, Twizzlers, as it turned out. <laughs> but, like, you were racing mountain bikes, and at some point you wanted to be a professional mountain biker. Oh, yeah. I, um, I thought that would have been amazing. And, and you know, Back in those days, I went far over the edge with training, mm -hmm. not not approaching training from a structured in a structured manner. Uh, so were you running, lifting weight, or were you just riding? Your I bike? was spending most of my time riding my bike and okay. riding my bike hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, never never putting in like some easy days. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Never putting in, like, you were that guy. rest day. Just hammer. Did you lose a lot of friends, didn't want to ride with you? It's like, I got rides too hard, man. <laughs> I just know the definition well, of take it we, easy. We all had a, a big group of mm -hmm. hard riders. Oh, okay. And, you know, this was when mountain bike racers were kind of trying to figure it out. So the pros, you'd hear about the legit mountain bike pros, they were starting to train on the road bike. And... Mm. And it almost seemed, back in those days, it almost seemed like a little bit of a betrayal a to mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you were training on the road or if you were a road racer mm -hmm. to prepare for mountain bike racing. It was kind of funny. Did you tell me if you noticed this. Mountain bikers and road bikers, there was a big rift, especially in the late 90s to it. If you were a road biker, road racer, you were buttoned down, you were uh, <laughs> high and tight haircut. Yeah. If you were a mountain biker, you were punk rock. Yeah. And that was like kind of like you an appeal to legs. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a you big were shorts, like, right? You there were was shorts. Uh, sharks versus jets going on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate that 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 <laughs> mentality. You're not getting past his shorts, are you? They no, all wear shorts. The, the uniform of the race biker guy, especially who still wears the Lance Armstrong bracelet. Bracelet, it's yeah. Horrendous. Far less of those. I've never there seen are a lot less of those. Far less of those. It's going to become our stonewashed jeans. <laughs> don't see as many anymore. Did you wear a helmet when you were riding? Yes. Uh, I have always been All a big time. proponent of helmets. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a box full of crashed helmets. Wow. Oh, yeah? That I, I don't really need a reminder for myself, but when I know someone who kind of wants to not wear a helmet i'm like you know what take a look at this one yeah this one hit the ground going 42 and it left it left pieces but my head is intact hit yeah. the ground going 42 miles an hour that sounds painful it it was it's very painful yeah there's been some it, it's hard it's again it's another hard one to describe when someone has a bicycle industry is imagine driving in your car at 45 and jumping out the window yeah you know on, on the bicycle you don't have you don't wear protection per se you're just wearing these thin clothes. So the injuries can be, I mean, pretty substantial to yeah, a the, the 42 mile an hour crash. I visited the burn unit 
Oh, wow. Three times a week for about six weeks. Just skin but rash burn, huh? Yeah, so the abrasions grade similar to burns, and they were severe enough that uh, out at the outset they considered skin grafts. So oh, really? Wow. So why would these street bikers wear spandex when they should be wearing leather? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? Right? Aerodynamics. Aerodynamics. Aerodynamics, Also with the crashes, it happens rarely. It's not a super common thing. You don't expect to go down on a regular basis. Yeah. So it, it's more of a practical sense of where you have aerodynamics, you have ventilation, and then you have all these things flapping in the wind. So it's more of a practical sense. <laughs> to it really it. is. So, I mean, that, that's always – so you don't never plan to go down, and when you do, hopefully it's not too often. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, in the mountain bike world, you know, if you're racing cross-country, you're going to wear similar clothing uh, to what you would wear on your road ride. But if you're out trail riding, if you're doing the latest thing, enduro riding or downhill riding, you're wearing something much more substantial. Like the mm-hmm. – it was the uh, Red Bull Rampage last weekend. And some of the protective equipment that those guys are wearing, they're wearing, like, the neck braces that you would see yeah. the car racers wear. Yeah, yeah. A lot more risk involved. A lot more chance of I don't know if the you deck. saw any of the video from of the that Rampage. Clips. Yeah. They had a 70-foot canyon gap. Oh, I did see that. That people were doing a backflip. I did see that. You know what's crazy is, like, it's wow. not even enough to jump 70-foot gap. They it's do like, a backflip. Well, you only did one backflip. Next year, it's going to be like, you, what are you doing? One backflip, Grandpa? That's all you're going to do? That's, that's, what, that's all you got? I'm afraid. <laughs> it's become our going to the moon. It's not even enough to just do it anymore. So that's crazy. It is a crazy sport to describe to because there's so many facets to it. Well, and, the, and now there's so many specialties. There really uh, is, yeah. You know, back in the early 90s, they, would ha- they had a few World Cups in Park City. Mm-hmm. And you would do the hill climb. You would do the cross country. You would do trials. And you would do downhill. You did all re- the events. Yeah, yeah, I remember this era. And all on the same bike. You know, a downhill course today, I would look at it and be, uh, I would think there's no trail here. Mm-hmm. How, where, where am yeah. I supposed to go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very true. It's so uh, crazy how skilled they, they are at it and how specialized it is yeah. to one discipline. Well, and, and, you know, you even go within road disciplines, mm-hmm. uh, a track racer. A criterium racer, a road racer, cyclocross racer. If you want to excel, you really have to devote specifically to one of those mm-hmm. areas too over another. It, mm-hmm. it, at the high level, it becomes so competitive and so focused within the discipline. In like when you got into road, you, did you have aspirations to become a pro road r- racer too? I I had light aspirations. I realized I was. On the older side, I started mm-hmm. road racing when I was 33, and you would have to be a phenomenal, like, your initial results would have to be absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, you had a lot of results, though. I did. Yeah. I did, uh, you know, and, and I devoted a lot of time. I devoted a lot of effort to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I pro- If I would have maybe started five years earlier, possibly. Yeah. The market for a domestic, a, a U.S. pro bike racer has always been kind of thin. There's not a lot of money in it. There's a lot of guys who really see it as a romantic 
very you know and, and so they're willing to they're willing to work through the winter and train and save up money and they'll race on a pro team for free mm-hmm. and so it makes it tough uh to really make a living you know we've got guys like jeff louder a phenomenal athlete who he started out mountain bike racing as a teenager no other teenagers were racing mm-hmm. and he got interested in road cycling and figured out i've got to go to belgium and he went to Belgium, learned the trade, and was a, every team he was on, he was a very valuable asset to those teams. Yeah. Is biking more revered? Is there more money put into it in Europe than America? By far. Absolutely. It's yeah. respected over there? It's kind of like, imagine basketball in Europe versus basketball here. Okay. You know, kids grow up doing it there versus here. So the guys on, like, that do the Tour de France, they're making real money, six-figure incomes yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. They're, they're making good money. Those guys work hard. It's definitely, they yeah, really not hard. a glamorous job. And I think speaking to the U.S. thing, like you said, it's really you I give those guys some credit because a lot of these guys are racing for very little money. Like if you were to put it in numbers, maybe best case scenario teacher salary might be uh, best. Best case scenario you know, uh, teacher salary. Some, some of the know? top top guys who are go-to guys year after year on some of the more well-funded teams, they're probably making good money. Mm-hmm. But um, there's no television behind it. So no, right. That, that's the issue with the money. Yeah. And in Europe, they show the races. They show six hour races start to finish on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a different just a different mindset, a different culture, different, you know, culture of sport. Well, and it has history. It does. You know, yeah. Uh, Soccer is another example you could use football there versus city. here. Yeah. Football. <laughs> you say soccer, this neck of the woods, damn it. But uh, yeah, so you have people who are really committed to. I mean, you can almost call it their craft of preparation yeah. racing and then like i am i would say to someone during heavy like racing seasons like i'm, I'm not uh if i were paid for this i'm not paid to race i'm paid to travel you're in a van yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. staying at uh, motel sixes you're eating at denny's yeah it's a it's a tough tough world for the domestic racer that's why i'll give those guys the the guy like to say another name uh burke swinderhurst a guy who's a career racer for over 20 years you got to give it to that guy. He was in it because he loved to race. He, he was loved competitive, racing bikes. And he had a lot, a lot of talent, and he stuck with it. Yeah. So tough, tough, like, mindset these guys have. Yeah, it's tenacious. And year after year, you know, your contract, it, you, when you sign an awesome contract, it's like two years. Yeah. And so these guys are year to year. Uh, you know, you have an injury. Yeah. You have a few bad results because of yeah. luck. Mm-hmm. And, you know. You're, or maybe you're more of a team worker, you know, yeah. you're doing the work Plugging for the team, away. and so your results list doesn't look that awesome. Mm-hmm. Your team leader's results list looks great, but, you know, when it comes to contract talks. Yeah, you, so you sort of like, I put myself in this category too, you sort of saw the writing on the wall. You're like, I could bust my butt at this, and this, you know, there's very little payoff for potentially a lot of work. It's that, it's that satisfaction that you get from it Mm-hmm. Um, individually, you know, uh, it, it's a lot of fun to have great results, but I really personally enjoy the process. I enjoy the process of training. I, uh, I enjoy figuring out how my body works as a coach. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the individuality of each client and, you know, each person is a different puzzle. Our physiology mm-hmm. body to body 
so different. Well, let, yeah, let's talk about that. You're a cycling coach. What? How did you go about to become that? What are you, education did you? So uh, sounds like something you would probably excel at and wanted to do for a long time. Yeah, I. You know, when I overdid myself in yeah. that 1995 range, um, I realized that there was a better way to probably train, mm-hmm. and and so I started reading a lot. Um, you know, finding articles about training. I think, you know, there, there was always a lot of uh, study going on research-wise into, into sport performance, but there wasn't really a coaching trade per se. And, and you mentioned earlier leisure. Like people f- put a big focus on leisure. Mm-hmm. And as we've become more, I guess, uh, wealthy as a, as a society, uh, leisure becomes more and more mm-hmm. important. Quality of life, yeah. Quality of life goes up, and and leisure becomes a big part of that. You know, people say a lot that cycling's the new golf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and so you analogy, can yeah. you can now instead of spending three thousand dollars on clubs, you can spend ten thousand dollars on a bike. Yeah. But you know, I I really got interested in how to how to do the process right for me which then led me to be very interested in getting that process out to other people. Mm-hmm. And I had a great experience with, uh, with a cycling coach. I, you probably knew him, Bill Harris. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Bill, like I, I gained a lot from being an athlete uh-huh. of his. Like a mentor well, figure to you? Well, you know, I hired him as a coach and, and I did everything he said. And I didn't question it. I didn't negotiate. If he said you need to take five days off, I like, I tried to keep my feet up. You know, as a bike racer, if you don't have yeah. to stand, you sit. If you don't have to sit, you lay mm-hmm. down. <laughs> yeah. You want, yeah, your recovery becomes almost as important as the training. Yeah. If not and, more. and that's really, you know, when you look at what happens with physiology and, and training load, the time that you get stronger is when you rest. And that's when the body rebuilds itself counterintuitive and adapts yeah. to the load that you've thrown at it mm-hmm. and so that really became super interesting to me and I've always tried to tie back the things that I've learned uh, in my academic career like I got a bachelor's in journalism well you have to you have to like put all the pieces of getting information together it's kind of like putting a puzzle together to tell the story I did a master's degree in public administration and focused on policy analysis. And with policy analysis, you have to pull all of the right data together and look at it the right way, and it just becomes a big puzzle. Yeah. And so with training, and one of the other things that I pride myself on is bike fitting. It is a puzzle to figure out. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of input that you, that you need to be aware of but you also need to focus on the right, you know, put the importance on the right. It's input. a cool thing. I really like the bike fitting in general for like, to put it into like, put a pin on it. The apparatus of your bike is constant. You, the individual, we got all this stuff going on. We're all different. 
We all got issues. If you like put it in a psychological sense, we all got problems. Yeah. You know, we all grew up some way. So now we gotta make this thing fit you. And it's really cool. Yeah. It's like this becomes your own thing now. This is your piece of equipment. Now let's see how we can maximize let's individualize the enjoyment it. Yeah. or the performance or let's kind of improve it or sort of make it for what we're doing currently yeah. to it. Yeah, it sounds like you're a uh, like an all in guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like when saying? I decided I was going to start the coaching business, I was working as a database modeler and designer. And I was spending way too much time at work and not enough time having fun. And I was, I was kind of doing my own training program. I was giving advice to friends on their training programs. And I thought this would be way cooler. Mm -hmm. I would enjoy this as a job much I more. See. Yeah. And so I went out to the state of Utah business website and started Plan 7 Endurance Coaching and uh, decided that that was in a November and decided that June 30th would be my last day of my regular job. So I. You had the plan set. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's and do it. <laughs> you do the coaching, and then the, the high school thing that you do, I think, is a big, big thing that's grown. And it's a pretty cool, worthy cause or endeavor. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, when did you start so that? So that, all that credit goes to my wife, Lori. And Lori's another uh, longtime bike racer, both road and mountain bike. And a number of years ago, we were, four years ago, we were at the USA Cycling Coaches Summit. And someone, we were talking about junior cyclists. And someone mentioned that they were with the SoCal high school cycling league. And so during a break of the seminar, Lori went over and started talking to this guy and he turned out to be the board president of that league. And uh, another seminar started, so I went in, came out, she was still talking to him. And on the drive home from Colorado Springs, she decided there has to be cycling in high school in Utah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, she dropped everything she was doing. It sounds, you know, type yeah. a, a little Seems bit. Seems like you guys found <laughs> each other. <laughs> and, and so uh, she spent about 10 months full-time volunteer figuring out how to get sponsorship, how to put a league together. Had there been no, nothing like that in any form in Utah at the time? There, there was nothing like it in Utah. Uh, the National Interscholastic Cycling, Cycling Association, NICA, they grew out of the NorCal Cycling League, which is about 15 years old. And NICA, they, they kind of took the best practices, what they learned over that many years, and created a national governing body. And the SoCal League got started. Colorado, drawing a blank here. Uh, but by the time we came on, we were the seventh league. Oh, wow. And... And Lori was so full gas with this. So our first race, we raced with 240 high school racers. And that was the biggest uh, first race of a, of a league so far. So that was three years ago. This last weekend, we had our third race of this season. Mm -hmm. And we raced with 668 kids. Holy cow. Does it matter what type of demo uh, financial demographic you come from? Can anyone sign up? Uh, do you have to be drug free? Do you have to be positive? And then where can kids or parents sign up? Okay. Yeah, that those are all super. And, and that was one of the first things that we thought of. Uh, and people ask questions about cycling is 
is a expensive uh, sport. Expensive sport, mm-hmm. very expensive. So what are you going to do about those kids who are kids in need? Mm-hmm. And that was a super important thing to Lori, along with um, making sure that girls were involved too. Yes. And so uh, one of the things that she did was find particular sponsorship that would go towards kids in need. And then the league at this point owns about 50 bikes that go out to kids in need. So if a kid wants to race, there's scholarship money to pay for fees, to help them with clothing, and there are bikes out there for the kids. That's great. So you have good sponsorship, good private donations. I like that. The league operates in the black. The sponsorship has been super generous. You know, it takes us probably 160 to 175 volunteers on race day to make these races happen. Yeah, quite an undertaking to put on a race. Yeah, it's huge. And when you show up at the venue, this is like any other big professional race. It's like Tour of Utah. You know, the kids, people show up and they just like, I had no idea it it was this big. Really? Yeah. It's, it's not like well. it's not like some parents kind of yeah. you know pointing you in a direction. It's my dad peeling oranges for the <laughs> soccer team. <laughs> Saying everybody gets one kids. And we've got volunteer coaches. These coaches these people are so committed. Can you do an internship with your company? Um yeah, uh, Lori had an alumnus who she raced the first year and this summer she was home from college and she uh, helped at least part-time nice. as an intern through the summer while she was in That'd town. That'd be a good gig. Yeah. You'd learn a lot, not only educational experience, but yeah, how uh, to manage kids. And and how to manage an organization. And you get to you ride know. bikes. Yeah. yeah, and you get to ride bikes. Uh, it's hard to beat. So where can they find you? So for the high school league, you would find information at utahmtb.org. Uh, and you can find out all of the information about the races. We have two more races this season, this Saturday at Snow Basin, and then on October 25th in St. George for the state championship finals. Nice. Awesome. And then you can find me, the coaching business, at plan7coaching.com, and that's the number seven. Yes, yeah, so and we'll put all this on the blog and do. Can a you get a letterman's stuff. jacket, uh, mountain biking? <laughs> so, or and that's spandex. an inter- that's an interesting <laughs> thing. Uh, it's a club sport, so it's a lot like uh, lacrosse, and uh, Utah has a very interesting club situation, which makes it a little bit tough. But a lot of the schools are really seeing what's happening. Like for example, the Corner Canyon High School in Draper. Mm-hmm. The team is 110 kids. Oh, man. And Taking it's over. like out of all of the leagues in the United States under NICA, it's the biggest team in all of the leagues. And so, you know, they're, they're realizing how awesome it is. And so a lot of the principals, they're, they're making them teams or they're making them official clubs where they get recognition. So they see the value, yeah. They get recognition in the yearbook. If I had a Letterman's jacket 20 years ago, yeah. I'd get so much tail. Instead, <laughs> 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 I had to ride my bike in the garage and change clothes in my car. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. This is good information. I'm yeah. glad you're able to come in and give us the, the info. And no, I'm, I'm check b- back in and give us the progress. Yeah, it's it's been phenomenal. Like I said, we started out that first year with 240 kids racing. Last year, it was 485. This year, we're 670. 
So it's it's Still gaining ground. We've got teams in Logan, teams in Moab, teams in St. George. I think there's something like 52, 53 teams. Wow. Wow, great. Is it a testament to your hard work, attitude? I mean, that's how you, how you do it. It seems like you've seen success. Yeah, I'm glad like, you're able to give us the, it's the a info lot of fun. on it, the breakdown. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. Uh, when we get back from commercial, we will have Rivals.com, Michelle, and we will discuss all things Pac-12. So thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your kindness. Good, sir. Thanks a lot. And, thank uh, you, Dave. Go ride a bike. Quit eating Twinkies, fat people. Thank you. <laughs> you really put a pin on it. Hi, this is Randall Carlisle from ABC4 Utah. Old Ute Radio will be right back after this. You're listening to All Ute Radio. Hello, everybody. We're back. This is Sasha Bloom, All Ute Radio in studio. My good friend, comedian Patrick Ramirez. Go up and see him in Park City this weekend. It's a whole, actually, it's a whole weekend of comedy. Andy Gold, Wise Guys West yes. Valley, Thursday, 7:30, roughly. Steve Solberg, Friday, Saturday, West Valley. Uh, two shows, I assume, or just one? Uh, they're probably doing two. He's probably okay. doing two instead, yeah. Open mic Wednesday. Wednesdays, they have an open mic at Wise Guys West Valley. A lot of fun. Yes. You're going to see some, some home runs, and you're going to see some swings and misses. Oh, God, they're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Go for the fails. <laughs> but it's the only place you're going to see uh, Jay Whitaker, Christian Piper, yourself, Steve Solberg, uh, the boys from KU. Yeah, all the, all the heavy hitters in town make an appearance to oh, drop in and do It's a great place to take a date, or if that, you're a fat yeah. and lonely guy, go by yourself. They got good nachos. <laughs> Beer's reasonable. I hear a beautiful voice on microphone that must Thank be... Thank you. Oh, not me? Sorry. <laughs> Shut up, bike boy. Sorry. That must be Michelle Bodkin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You said it wrong again. What? You said it wrong oh, again. Oh, I was so confident with myself. <laughs> I thought you were talking about your first Wait name. Wait a minute. Like, oh, how did I mess up Michelle? Did I really <laughs> just say Bodkin? Uh-huh. 
Like the best way to think about it is like you're gonna say body, but just say Michelle Body. Michelle Body. (laughs) Change that Twitter handle. Uh, Yeah, that could get me in trouble. (laughs) Body by Michelle. Hello. Hello. (laughs) No, it's good to see you. I got to watch you on television. I Um, know, weird, right? (laughs) So did probably 25 million other people. I think you got a 12 rating. So. Woo! Um, Yay me. <laughs> There's crazy <laughs> stuff going on here. <laughs> oh, we got some dirty comedians back there. So, how are you? Tell me about this madness that happened on Saturday with the 30 28 score of Utah v UCLA and the dominance that uh, the defensive line and linebackers did on UCLA. I mean, I'm doing good, especially, you know, from the alumni fan standpoint, how could you not be happy with that result going in and taking care of business against number eight? That was pretty awesome. I say we end the season now. (laughs) On a high note, we just get out, take a picture of that scoreboard, scholarships aplenty next year. Who's with me? That's fertile (laughs) recruiting ground, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was a good place to go go make make a point. They did some smart things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new quarterback, I believe. More likely than not, yeah. They I haven't would confirmed think so. it yet. And they're not going to until they go and play Oregon State. In two weeks. Does mm-hmm. that seem weird? I mean, the guy obviously had a great game. At the time, it's easy to say it now, but at the time, did you think uh, Wilson needed another series or two before they pulled him? No. No. No, you were Abs- having with three series. Absolutely I mean, not. I, 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 it was one of those things, three, three and outs, and it looked exactly looked, the same as he did the week before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as time, harsh as that is to say. At the say, time, I was like, let's give him a quarter, but no, it was yeah. the right call. The guy performed You great. can't give a squad full of five-star recruits more ego and confidence mm-hmm. than these grown men have. you gotta, yeah. you got to crush their ego – and their the sensibility get-go. of worth, like, immediately. Yeah, why start him, though? That, that was my question. Like, pull yeah. him early? You know, pull I mean... Because they're afraid he, to well, bench him. Maybe so. I mean, you have to give him a little bit of a shot because you just don't know. Maybe, you know, and I know that Michigan, he was kind of a little bit into, mm-hmm. but Washington State, he looked abnormally bad for him. And, you know, to see if it maybe was just kind of... Yeah. You know, a fluky thing. Three and out or, series, it was nothing happening. Yeah, and I mean, he came in and he looked exactly the same. He didn't look confident. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. You nah, had to, right you, call to make you a had change. to pull the plug and you know what? See if something else didn't work out a little bit better for you. It was interesting to see because I remember us last week saying they needed to dumb down the offense, uh, swing it out more to your running backs, let the running back actually run, mm-hmm. uh, more cross patterns you know, not so many wheels and everything else. And they did that with the new quarterback. It Mm -hmm. was a really simple offense. It was very simple. It wasn't anything flashy. I think part of that was, you know, they were testing out UCLA and seeing what they were going to bite off on, and they never figured out a way to stop him. They really didn't. They never figured out a way to stop him. The other part of it is I don't know how much Thompson's really been practicing with the one receivers since fall camp. Probably 10% of the snaps. I again, right. yeah, not a lot. So I just kind of think the coaches felt like the 
the with the bye week happening. You know, and they really didn't well, need to. They were playing from exactly. from ahead for most of the game, and they the running was exactly. Working. So, it was one know. of those things. If it's not broke, why fix it? Exactly. Yeah, give them everything you can you manage, know, and it was working. Fix it. Fix it. Come the bye week. You it know, if you working. feel like that's the direction you want to go, fix it. Then I you mean, have ten days. That so. pick six for Kyle Whittingham. In his head, he probably said, I just got a miracle. I got a seven-point lead. I've got three and a half quarters to go. <laughs> and then the uh, onside kick right after yeah. that. Yes. Stole the possession. That yep. was brilliant, a by the way. Of, uh, that I love was, that call. That was so brilliant on two levels. Now, One, you try and get the offense going, and you brought out your new quarterback at that point in time. Didn't quite work out that way. But the other end of it was, even if they didn't go down and score, it gave the defense a chance to catch their breath. Oh, yeah. Whereas if they had just kicked it off, they would have been right back on the field mm-hmm. again, and it maybe could have been Washington State all over call. again. It was a great call. It was a great call. I didn't see any video anywhere on the net of the opposite side of that play. I'm really bummed about that because I'm curious. If it was that close. Was. It was very close. Because just got the TV side, and mm-hmm. I'm almost thinking that that was coached by design to show your name and number to the cameras. Maybe. Because it almost looked like the way he turned Mm -hmm. and the way he kicked it. Because you saw him kind of run toward your television screen and then jump the ball. Mm -hmm. I love when a kicker makes a play, too. And Andy Phillips does it all the time. I mean, remember the week before we were talking about how he hunted that guy down and pummeled him before the half. And all the the big dudes, you know, give him a high five. They don't know his, like, first name. But they give him the high five. Oh, I think they know his first name. They have to. (laughs) Well, then no, the kicker, not universally the most popular guy on the team, but he's he did a great, great play. Well, we have a long tradition uh, here at the Utes of having kickers mm-hmm. being our hero. Uh, oh, yeah. Louis Sakota. Louis Sakota. King Louis. King you don't Louis. Him? No, no. I don't know the history of the of uh, the youth football so much, but I've always been a fan of the kicker. <laughs> like, I love kicking. I love the kicking game because it's a little bit of an underdog thing. I love how everything can hinge on, on them, and they can be a hero or they can be the most hated man on campus in, inside of 48 hours. I love the rugby punter we have. Tom like, oh, that guy scares me. Dude, he's got the hair, he's got the Australian tan, and he he's an NFL punter, and he's a sophomore, right? Uh, I No, he's a junior. Is he a junior. I looked it up. Okay. He's a junior. But, I mean, he's going to get drafted, like – Every I, kick is inside well, the 10-yard line. He was a big part of the so. game, for sure. He was a huge part of the game. Utah pretty much won the field position battle all game long. I think there was only one time when they were back on. It was, yes. It was I think, Wilson's last series where they were backed up they on their own goal line. They were inside their own 20, yeah. Which, in, in a game and sense, I never felt like UCLA was up to par with, with uh, Utah until that last possession. I was like, oh, this could slip away mm-hmm. right now. I'm gonna hate. I'm gonna hate myself tomorrow because this was in the bag. If we had played. Was that that 80-yard pass? The, oh, the wheel that? route. And then when they were driving the last possession for that field goal, which mm-hmm. would have been the worst way to end a game. Absolutely. After that penalty, I was like, this. Once he missed it, I was like, okay, there's some justice in the world. Because that but was, then they, was a very they said that they penalty. got another chance though, which right. was like ah. Well, right. That was the injustice. <laughs> I was like, if he makes it on another chance. That's not cool, man. So he kind of. <laughs> no, just. And that was a very iffy penalty. Uh, yeah. Very iffy. That would have been bad for the game to end, kind of based on a call that wasn't that was right. Not even 50 50. Yeah. So. Pac 12 is pretty good at not allowing that stuff to happen, comparably to other conferences. 
you see a lot of questionable calls in some of the other TV markets. But yeah, uh, I think the Pac-12 does a very good job with. Uh, let's be careful here because they have a lot of referees that make a lot of mistakes right in basketball and football mm -hmm. but i think the conference as a whole and their commissioners do a really good job of training up their referees and their play-by-play -play, and they don't hide plays um from the viewer you know or from the referees i was gonna say i think what the pac 12 is good about and it goes beyond the refereeing end of it because i think that there is a lot that they can improve on as far as the refing goes it just doesn't seem all that consistent but mm -hmm. it's the fact that they're aware that there's a problem and they're actively trying to fix it mm -hmm. it's not kind of like a i don't know what you're talking about i have no idea what you're seeing because i'm not seeing it sort of thing like larry scott's very open about you know what i see what you guys are talking about let's try and fix this it's a complicated thing because you're playing a live sport mm -hmm. but relying on television which whole premise is to replicate or create an illusion of a live experience. Mm -hmm. And it can be very tricky. It's very tricky. Reffing is hard. I do. I've reffed before. I've reffed soccer before. It was awful. You know, all the parents, all the, the parents jobs. screaming at yeah. you. He pushed my kid. He pushed my kid. And it's like, oh, well, man. it's sports. That's kind of what happens. Referees, one of the jobs where you really can only fail. No one ever pats a referee on the back and say, like, good game, buddy. Very mm -hmm. rarely. It's very, always very like, rarely. I'm going to strangle you in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. Well, do you ever wonder why they <laughs> run out of the stadiums, like, as soon as it's over? Out. <laughs> out I've of there. <laughs> refs run out with five seconds to go. Be like, let's call it a game, buddy. I'm going to beat the traffic. <laughs> Which I would do the exact same thing. Because that is such a hard game. You're only going to lose. Everybody's yelling at you. That's why I wonder who signs up to be a ref. I mean, like, why? What career choice would you ever make? Become a ref. It's so difficult. The third Someone? string quarterback in the high school That's team. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah like yeah. a gym teacher who <laughs> still thinks he's got boy. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me about the Utes. Uh, what, what stuck out to you? What concerned you? Because even though I watch the game, mm -hmm. you watch it, I think, much better than I do. Um, I just look at camera angles. Like, that's all I'm concerned about right. is that's who pays me. Like, how can we improve it? Like, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm not, I don't care about, and I don't have a rooting interest, so. What I liked, I liked what Kendall Thompson brought. You know, I mentioned earlier I felt like Wilson looked lost and confused and like he didn't know what he was doing. Kendall came in with a command and a presence right off the bat. And granted, his first possession was a three and out two. But after that, he settled down and it just really felt like he was commanding the troops. And later on in the game, when they had to get everything lined up for that field goal that Andy Phillips had to make in order to win the game. You could see him talking actively with the refs. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run down the clock. I need you to call timeout for me. He, he looked like he knew what he was doing, and that was awesome. Things I didn't particularly care for, they obviously need to open up the throwing game a little bit more. Yeah, That's not on Kendall. That's not on Kendall. It's not Kendall's fault. Some it's preparation. It's just it's better. a matter of preparation making sure he's prepared making sure the receivers are prepared making sure everybody's practice knows what the game plan is uh the couple of throws he did make i thought were pretty was good throws. One, yeah that one big there, one there was just was great just the one throw that was off that got tipped but everything else was catchable 
Um, yeah, a couple of drop balls that I yeah. thought his receiver could have helped him out mm-hmm. on. There was three yeah. drop balls. I was like, you got to well, help out your guy. Yeah. But they, they, they overcame. But, yeah, exactly. They overcame that. Defensively, I thought they were overall pretty sharp. I thought they handled Hunley very well. Ten sacks in one game is yeah. incredible. I didn't know what to think of that. They're sacking him left and right, and then they put up the graphic that he's the most sacked quarterback like in, right, the, in college, in college football. football is like, we yeah. should be sacking this guy. Yeah. So it was almost a par performance. Well, and now now the Sack Lake City movement has yeah. has begun. They, uh, also a weird I website. I think he, on the second one, they hit 100. And then so the color commentator for the ABC, he was really awful. Like, you could tell he was just a jock. <laughs> and he was stumbling and fumbling and wasn't as good as some of the professional guys or mm-hmm. guys who have been doing it for 10 years. And so, like, they get to sack number seven, and so it's like 106, and he's like, he's really been sacked 106 times? Yeah, And then at, like, surprising. 109, I can't believe he's been sacked 109 times. How are you going to be surprised at something <laughs> that happens 100 times? <laughs> By 97, you're like, this might be a trend. <laughs> Were they um, talking that UCLA quarterback up a little like they're saying, like he's a Heisman candidate. Yeah. I didn't see win. that. No, I, I didn't going see in, Heisman. Going into the season, you know, Hunley was very, very talked up, and I mean, in the past he's had some amazing seasons. So to think going into the season that he could be a Heisman candidate, I think was very viable. But through the first four well, or five games that they played, elbow. well, even before that though, he just has not looked like the same quarterback kind of like Travis just has not looked like the same quarterback and I I think this game proved it even more so they talked about you know you need to have that Heisman moment you need to have that moment where maybe you are down you know where you are behind and you get the win and Hunley wasn't able to do that for his team and granted there were some other problems going on you know his offensive line was not helping him out that much but again I feel like a good quarterback can overcome a lot of that yeah 10 sacks is probably (laughs) a little bit much for any offensive line to it who do you like as Heisman right now Oh, my goodness. Who? Yeah, that's not going to have that ended (laughs) last week, too. The BYU quarterback. So sad. So sad. Uh, My heart bleeds for him because that's just terrible to have to go through that. Did I read this right? The guy who was in the tackle um, was also the same guy who was in his tackle that injured him a previous season ago? Yeah. Man, talk about bad luck. Very bad luck. odds on that? Very bad luck. So, I mean, speedy recovery to Taysom, that was terrible. I sat there. I kind of missed it when I was down there watching the game with Channel 4, and I just happened to notice that their their backup quarterback was in. I was like, oh, are they running a trick play? That doesn't yeah. seem like very BYU-ish. And then, and then my producer comes running at me. He's like, he said it snapped. He said it snapped. And I was like. Oh, said geez. what snapped? Yeah, our friend <laughs> to the show, Tyler Gibbons, caught some flack over releasing that video. Yeah. But that's what you do. It's it a television set. Like, there's nothing to be hidden. Uh, yeah, you want to report if you don't, If you story. don't want to hear it, then don't be a baby when you've torn every ligament in your ankle and you break your leg. Yeah. Suck it up and don't say anything. Right? Well, I... I <laughs> I don't know. No. I don't know. Did you have fun uh, being on the field, uh, getting to feel a little bit of what it's like to be a reporter? Oh, yeah. You look like you were having fun. That's the second time I've been down at BYU uh, Mm -hmm. watching their game from the field and Mm -hmm. doing some stand-up after after the fact, and it's a great time. It's, It's even more evidence 
that it doesn't matter what school I'm going and covering. I just love being out there and doing that. So, I, so you're on the sideline of BYU, and you've done that twice now. Mm-hmm. How much uh, how much cursing on the side of BYU on the sideline of BYU? You the know what? Sideline could be tense, right? They Is don't a... let us on the BYU sideline. We're always oh, on no, the visiting on, side. You're on the visiting. We're always on the visiting. Oh, they restricted, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I gotcha. All right, so on the visiting side, a lot, a lot of cursing flying around, intense moments. I'm gonna say I honestly haven't noticed. I try to leave the players and the coaches alone as much as possible. I'm, you know, Are they're you trying to. Are you in earshot at all? At times, I just I haven't honestly paid that much attention. Because that's what I would do as a fan of football. I would pay money every year if they just released sideline audio. Oh, my gosh. It Uncensored. Would be funny. It I would, would be pay so funny. much money just to hear the trash talk. <laughs> oh, I've heard it. So I would love that. For like a Pac-12 event, we have anywhere from 24 to 36 mics on the field. Yeah. And it's one guy's job to be listening to all 24 or 36 channels. And you have mics everywhere picking up from everything. And mind you, if the F-bomb gets out on air, you're getting a $300,000 mm-hmm. fine, whether it's incidental or not should somebody call in and complain mm-hmm. so when you're back there like i've sat in there kind of learning how they worked aboard one day or several days and what you hear is fantastic <laughs> it's I like, it's like it. audio porn i would <laughs> love it just to hear say, the banter just hear the coaches <laughs> alone based off of you know like sitting and watching spring ball for several hours yeah. for a month i i would but dollars to donuts game time is like 10 times that. And I find, I do, I find coach speak hilarious. I find coach <laughs> speak, yeah. the players, the players, how they interact with each other is hilarious. I'm sure they would be mortified if they knew half the things I've heard them say before. Um, but so you know, half the things that you haven't heard them say. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been given a heads up about some of that. And yeah. it's just, you know what? I don't need to know. I don't need to I know. I would love it's to okay. know. I'm the opposite. I would, know. I would have a notebook and I would just have a tally. How many times I hear, got to have a clock in your head i would take a tally uh how many times you gotta hear like oh let's get the play in take a tally how many times you hear helmet's not a chair take a tally <laughs> just add them up at the end of the game how many coach talk cliches <laughs> i can get in there you'd be a great host of a drinking game yeah i would, would be a great yeah game. yeah well that'll be the dream until i finish grad school <laughs> host some drinking games so let's see here i want to take a quick commercial break here when we get back i have a I'd like to talk about our safeties. I'd like to talk about cornerback play. Okay. Tight end play. And then I'd like your general impressions. Have you been at practice this week? Uh, they will not be letting us at practice until Friday. It's a little bit different with the bye week. So. A little different because of the bye week. Hmm. What does that mean? Is that always the same? Uh, usually practice schedule stays the same through a bye week but this go around for whatever reason they've changed it up and I don't know if part of it's because of the quarterback thing and wanting to try and keep it as secret as possible but I will only be there on or I'm only allowed to be there Friday and then next week I'm only allowed to be there on Monday so that's a bit rude yeah you know what (laughs) there there's always there's sometimes ways around that so (laughs) you know what (laughs) Well, I enjoy that. So, as always, this is OU Radio. We broadcast every Tuesday from 7 to 10. The last hour is filled with the great comedian Jackson Banks. 
If you have any professors or brilliant people or musicians that you would like us to interview, you can always email me at OUradio at gmail.com. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. For those of you who are listeners of the show, I promise you the last week's podcast, episode 100, will be up on our website as soon as these webmasters can figure out how to code. Because I certainly don't want to have to do their job for them. But hopefully by the weekend, they will uh, have everything back up. With that said, we're going to break. When we get back, we'll be right back with the brilliant and beautiful Michelle Bodkin. Got it! <laughs> oh, man, nice. Blast! And the, and the show, and youth season. It's a win, everybody. Your student ID card has the power to let you ride UTA. Simply tap your student ID when you board UTA buses, tracks, and Front Runner, and ride free. For more information, visit rideuta.com forward slash student pass. So you're a student. What do you get from being a member of University Credit Union? Oh, convenience. Yeah, they have four locations on campus. Oh, and 15 ATMs. They're like everywhere. Um, yeah. Awesome student packages. Oh, great. With no fees and no minimum balance. Yeah, yeah you get an instant debit card. The yeah. people that work there are so nice. Yeah. So and the coolest thing about the University Credit Union is they're as red as I am. Oh. Visit one of our branches or go to student.ucreditu.com. University Credit Union. Local to Utah, loyal to you. Federally insured by NCUA. Studio with my good friend, co-host Patrick Ramirez. I really like how you told our last guest, uh, Dave Hardward, that I'm your producer. Hardward, that I'm your producer. I, I, oh, you're not. What are you? I'm your boss. You just hang out here. I'm the boss. Hang. All right. <laughs> yes, sir. Get you anything else? I'd like to be your co-host at the very least. Okay. I'm producer. Yeah, you do some producing. You're I do all the producing. Something produce these fine waters we're having <laughs> to drink at our disposal. My favorite thing was uh, with Johnny McKeon, like when he started doing the show. He was like, "Yeah, I'm the host of All Your Radio." And it's like you could be a co-host. Like, can we all be a family? Like, <laughs> why do you gotta alpha male me like out the get-go? Yeah, you like did the same thing. Like, like, cool guide you into a corner. <laughs> yeah. A host is one of the many talents I have. I drive a stick shift and I co-host. I'm not just a monkey. So, wow. Michelle. Yes. I'm concerned about our safety in his knee. Mm-hmm. Is he gonna be out at some point here? What I'm hearing is that he should be fine. Ultimately, what happened the week before is he just had a scope done. Uh, oh, so orthoscopic just, surgery. Yeah, just the very minor. I I'm not exactly sure. That's it's just what I heard. I heard it was very minor. It wasn't a huge deal. The reason why they didn't say anything is because it's not a huge deal. But anytime you kind of throw about the word surgery, it becomes a big deal. Yeah, it's a big um, deal. You know, so I 
Witt sounds hopeful that he should be back and ready to go in 10 days. Um, if not, they feel really good about Andre Godfrey. Um, but he's efficient enough to play four downs and get an interception. You know, I mean. Tevin Carter, yeah. It'd be mm-hmm. phenomenal to have him for like a quarter. <laughs> you know, Tevin is just, my gosh, he is just such a talent. See an NFL talent? He's got the body, I think, doesn't he? You know, we'll have to see how the rest of the season goes. The injuries, mm-hmm. you know, that he's kind of been dealing with might raise some eyebrows. But I feel like he's definitely a playmaker. Yeah, but they'll get him on HGH up in the big leagues and, yeah. you know, tape him up a little bit more. I I get concerned when you see him go down like that because it seems like the defense really respects him. Mm-hmm. Like you see it on the sidelines, you see it in warmups. Like he's kind of one of the loud clappers. He's kind of the huddle guy. Hey guys, let's huddle. Is he a team leader? I know he's not a captain, but um, I think he probably is. You yeah. know, I mean, how can you not rally around someone like I said that con- seems to consistently make big plays for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, the unfortunate thing is he, he like very much like Kalen Clay is one year to play one. Uh, so he's done after this year, and this is his first year here. Um, he, is, he was a junior college guy? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good for him, though. Yeah. I, you know, that, uh, hmm. I like junior college players coming to the U. It seems like uh, Whittingham does a good job with that. I think for the most part, yeah. He he seems to find some diamonds in the rough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Patrick, I think, is going to be another one. I haven't heard Ultimately. his name. Is he on the, is he sitting this year? Or? Uh, no, he's actually played a little bit, not a ton yet. Uh, they were very high on him in fall camp. I'm very high on him. This kid is six foot five and like two ten maybe. He looks more like a basketball player than a football player. Plays wide receiver, but the funny thing about him is he kind of has the speed and ducking ability of someone that's more like five foot five. Was but he he's but he's huge, like wow. so he's like Kenneth Scott, tall and can get those jump balls. But he plays he plays kind of like he's small. Hmm. Does he Play have big small. hands? What? Does he have big hands? Yeah, good Looks hands, good. Yeah. good hands. He's so far I think caught just about everything that's come his way. But like I said, he just hasn't played a whole lot yet. We've been seeing Star Lotu Lalele's. Uh, younger brother coming in a little bit. Lol, uh-huh. That's intriguing to me. He's a big, big, 310 pounds oh, as a freshman. Oh, he is a big boy. How do you feed him? Like, do they just <laughs> buy a cow once a week? Buy a cow? Just <laughs> <laughs> bring him a cow on a pallet? Uh, my understanding is, and it's been a while, it was fall camp when he was telling us this, but <laughs> he said that his mom and his sisters, you know, kind of treat him he is the baby yeah. of the family but they love feeding him so wow. <laughs> that's like what they like doing wow, <laughs> so, so there you can go we, can we can we film this can we can we do this for like a pack 12 uh i don't have the authority to make it happen but i will suggest it like we should really incorporate like how do they feed these people i don't know it's and think about like the krugers a couple years ago that's yeah. three big boys <laughs> <laughs> they're playing, <laughs> playing like, football that you're trying to feed. <laughs> Costco is like their uh, Oh, dance. it has to be their go-to. Yeah, you don't has go to, to dance be, yeah. if you're over 275. It's <laughs> just bad, bad budgeting. <laughs> you go to Costco with one of those, like, flatbeds on wheels. And you see someone pushing around. Like, let's just go with one of everything this week, boys. 
That's so crazy, just the amount of fuel you have to, not to get these guys to perform athletically, to live, to, like, keep levels even on a, such a big guy. Well, it's crazy. I just have to say, you know, it's so amazing, even some of, like, the smaller guys, what they can pack away. Like, mm-hmm. you know, having been at the U, I was friends with some of the safeties and, like, the wide yeah. receivers. You know, they're not typically your bigger guys, but, my gosh, they can pack it away. And it's, mm-hmm. like, anything, too. It's, like, midnight want to go to like taco bell uh no i don't want to go to taco bell you shouldn't want to go to taco bell either i have a lot of friends too that will ask that not athletes no nowhere near athletic (laughs) they're they're comics (laughs) yeah a lot of comics who will eat anything on a hot dog bun (laughs) yeah we'll put it away it's 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 crazy just the amount of expenditure working out performing these guys are need some bulk to play football you got to put it down. Yeah. You got to put down the calories. Like I said, they can put down anything too, and they still look great. And, you know, having to explain to them sometimes, <laughs> it's like, okay, if I eat the same way you do, I'm going to be oh, 300 pounds because I don't exercise the way you do. <laughs> Not really the exercise type. All right, Darnell, I mean, six tacos today. And the guy's like, yeah, slow day. Slow day. I kept my feet up. Just six for me. They would really like just Taco Bell late at night. Did you, could you, or like Did you McDonald's know they're eating regiment? With all fast food? Uh, yeah. What a paradise. I just, well, I mean, think about it. College budget, though. So mm-hmm. what else are they going to afford? It's not like sure. they can go, I don't know, to like Lakai or whatever and get a primo High meal. Highfalutin right there. <laughs> Highfalutin athlete is like, oh, God, let's skip the McDonald's guys. A little too lowbrow. A little Lakai. We'll stop on Golden Corral on the way over. <laughs> but let's plan on an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. All right? Helmet's not a chair. Get out there, everybody. One, two, three, break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? Call these guys up. I want to hang with these guys. I know sports. <laughs> They're pretty oh, funny. such a good hang coach. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great coach. I already know Helmet's not a chair. <laughs> All right. So we have Mike Riley's team coming in, Oregon State Beavers. Mm-hmm. Four and one. Mm-hmm. Second place in the Pac-12 North. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thunk? Um, I mean, I don't know if they're good. I think uh, they had a soft schedule, kind of like Utah did. Uh, they beat who did they beat in the Pac-12? Do you have that? Uh, I they beat Colorado Kay. this weekend, and it was tight. It was really tight. It was 36-31 in Oregon State's favor. Uh, so I don't know what exactly that maybe tells us about Oregon State. Okay, I got it right here. So they Portland State 29-14 was the final. Then Hawaii 38-30, that was in Hawaii. San Diego State 28-7. U- lost, US, lost uh, U- USC. USC 35-10, they lost. Oregon 36. So tight games. Uh, wow. How do you only win by eight against Hawaii? Jet lag. I was going to say, Purely you know what? Hawaii came, came out and tried to bite Washington in the butt early in the season, too. So, Well, they got a great coach up there, Norm Chow. Oh, yeah. Holla, <laughs> holla at Norm. <laughs> the one year you. <laughs> the one, well, except he played at Utah. Oh, that's so, right. I mean, no, BYU. No, he played at Utah. Utah coach had a be- long tenure at then BYU. Then then went to USC and then came back to Utah for one year and then got the Hawaii I got job. to meet him when I was just starting with the Pac-12, and he was such a nice guy. 
He seemed nice. I yeah. I just happened to walk past him once, and I was surprised he was a lot taller than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I thought right? he was going to be like this small little Yoda <laughs> type guy. guy. And I walked past him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're actually giant. <laughs> like, huh. Guy, sign yes. that guy up. Probably some DB. So how do you feel about it's such a long way away for the number 24 ranked Utes. Mm-hmm. I think it could be good for them. I think I, and good things could come in this game for them. I think so. I, you know, it's one of those it's things. It's a must-win game. I think it is. I think it's definitely a must-win. And, you know, last week we kind of talked about how how did you feel the UCLA game would go in their favor. Mm-hmm. And both you and I thought, you know, probably a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys and both picked them to lose. Not and from my well, end, not was a smart pick. I was gonna say, from my end, not even so much that I would have been shocked, and I wasn't shocked that they won the game, but it just felt like you know at that point in time they had so much they needed to prove mm-hmm. after flubbing against a team that they should have. They really were against kicked. the ropes, and they they performed good for them. Yes, good crazy weekend, two for for the top crazy. ten. I wonder if UCLA late game they see everyone's going down. I wonder if that doesn't play in a little yeah, bit. They're I like, was ah. kind of wondering the same thing myself. Because um, they you go know what? to play Oregon. Exactly. Well, and they're, they've they lost their game before Oregon four years in a row. I like oh, that. Really? Consistent. Yes. yes, they are very Consistent. consistently bad <laughs> Stars in their aligned. game Overlooking before Oregon. Line Overlooking teams. Um, but, you know, I feel like regardless of how the UCLA game had played out for Utah, that it was going to be a springboard for how OSU would go. Now, I'm even more confident how OSU will go because they're – they're in they won that game they have a ton of confidence going into that game so I think from here it's game planning like I said it's incorporating a bit more throwing into the game plan with Kendall assuming of course that that's really who they decide to go with and you know defense pretty much keep on keeping on the one thing I noticed in the UCLA game is there were a lot of missed tackles that would have ended drives a lot sooner mm-hmm. and or ended oh, yeah. ended some scoring on, chances. So, you know, I think if the defense can just shore up the tackling a little bit and not let them bounce off of them and have to go through a couple of different guys to get the stop, you know, if they can just keep building on those little so things, I think, this, I think this team could tools. be very, very good and could have a very good season. Best kind of Pac-12 ranking, where do you think they can end up? This season keeps going well. You think they can be top two Pac-12 team? Uh, I'm not Who's sure. Who's your top Pac-12 team right now? You think? Oh my goodness, I don't even know because they all very pretty hard much after this weekend beating yeah. the snot out of each other. So mm-hmm. I mean, how Washington do you honestly State pick? Washington almost 800 yards and lost and lost to Cal. US- USC lost um, to Arizona State on a Hail Mary. You know, mm-hmm. Arizona might be the best team in the Pac-12. For now, Arizona, they're, un- okay. they're unbeaten they right now. They got a good quarterback. Uh, they got an NFL quarterback. They got Arizona a strong always line. puts out good QBs. They recently, good QBs. yeah. I mean, I think Utah's in the conversation. I think you I could. I think they could be. I think any of them could be. No one's I, uh, wanting I this to either the North or South division. It seems. I think Utah wants it. I. They're hungry. I think they do. I think. I think Washington State put a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, that kind of sticks with them a little bit. They remember that. And, you know, maybe they get a couple more wins that nobody thought that they could. So So where are you on Twitter? I am at M Bodkin Rivals. Facebook, it's Michelle Bodkin. You gentlemen who constantly chat. <laughs> 
with Michelle, be kind to her. <laughs> she doesn't deserve your... Get some mean tweets? Yeah, by guys What's with like 12 there? followers and 36 followers. Not that that's a big I'm gonna deal. I'm going to say, when have I ever gotten a mean tweet? Y- you get some questionable. <laughs> questionable. Oh, really? You follow this Twitter feed There's more closely than Michelle does. Oh, well, you got to protect your talent. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> She's the talent you see something you don't like? Someone's... I almost too edgy. Almost, uh, and I didn't interact. I wanted to see where it go, and he he dumbed down. But I get, I'm protective. I feel like a big brother of yours. Aww. So <laughs> what about me? What do you feel like for me? Because I got some mean tweets. You didn't say anything. Well, put I on what, your big boy my, pants. My, my dang favorite it. thing about him was I was like, well, now that you're doing radio, and you gotta quit cussing on Twitter, you know, because Patrick's a comic. Like, who cares, right? And so, <laughs> Patrick, who cares? Oh, I'll be I mean, on my uh, graduate certificate. Ed Ramirez, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and so, literally, like three hours after our conversation about trying to get him to clean up his Twitter, which I think is was in hindsight rude of me to even suggest. Yes. But, but it was, was just offended. like you got in this conversation with the, this other guy, and it was like, F you, F this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a term of endearment, really. <laughs> yeah. It sometimes is, strangely enough. Yeah. The locker room humor is a sports show, right? It is. That's my uh, equivalent of the towel snap. <laughs> a couple of <laughs> F-bombs. Oh, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about uh, BMO, yeah. who, is, who is a uh, multiple Jeopardy champion guy from the 90s. Oh, so that's why he unfollowed me. Too smart for my humor. Yeah, he's, Got it. <laughs> he's pretty highbrow, that guy. <laughs> Velcro shoes I saw yeah. one time. Oh, we got to get him on the show. Yeah, we got to. Yeah. It'd be a good one. Where he, you, me and him would end up wrestling at some point. Yeah. And it's going to be all elbows and knees of wrestling. <laughs> Not the most graceful of people. So, Michelle, where can they read your writings? What are you going to be doing in the next two weeks in terms of preparation are you this is usually the time where you do a longer more in-depth story mm-hmm. uh you can read my stuff on utezone.com it is a paid member site which kind of sucks but at the same time you get and hear a lot of things you, you essentially get what you pay for let's just put Better it that than way sleeping by your spouse uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this week's a little bit odd i feel like i'm kind of twiddling my thumbs a little bit because of the weird practice schedule, but I don't know who I'm going to ultimately get to do some stories on on Friday, but... Start studying up on the Lady Ute volleyball team. They just dominated the number 17th ranked Arizona State. Look at this with the deep pool volleyball knowledge. Hey, bud. Nice. That an upfront seat. (laughs) It's good stuff. Dominant, dominant stuff. Volleyball. Mm -hmm. We have a good volleyball team? We're getting better every year. (laughs) They were pretty decent last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, they just beat the number 17 ranked team. Good on them. Good volleyballers. Had the same coach for 25 years. She's awesome. Like, she's one of those people that understands the game, but she understands young women Mm -hmm. even better. And not only does she graduate a good uh, athlete, she graduates a tremendously beautiful woman. And I think, you know, there's not a lot of coaches that put their humanism before sport and so you're saying bobby knight wasn't graduating beautiful men you're saying some of them were kind of attractive you know like a six on a good day you sure scared the hell out of them <laughs> you gotta scare men into results i hear you so techniques. it's gonna be a sad tuesday not having you in studio next week i oh, know but we'll see you the week after yes Kay. yes and hopefully we'll be talking about another win. good win and no injuries 
And no injuries. Exactly. And no one failing finals because midterms are coming up. That's true. Yes. Everybody study up. Yes. Study up. Study. Get the Rosetta Stone. Do whatever it takes. Get a tutor. <laughs> Fill out the Scantron. Ask the cute girl in your class for her notes. Oh, that happened once one. or twice. Yeah, that's oh, well, you should have done that there. by Labor Day, though. I'll say <laughs> I'm talking from experience on that I one. I am still owed Super Super Bowl tickets for my notes. You got a guy's number? Uh, yeah, I do have the okay. guy's number. Two weeks. Call him. Hey, two weeks. You still got nine minutes. Two Let's weeks. Call him. No, I can't do it now. Two weeks. We'll call him live. <laughs> We'll call them out here on OU Radio. Yeah, you're on some Super Bowl yeah, tickets. Yeah. That, that's, that's worth a little data on your phone plan. Or Pac-12 Conference champion tickets in San Francisco. Uh, Super Bowl's better. I was going to say Super Bowl's yeah, better. Yeah, let's aim high. And he, used, he used to be able to be in a position to get those for let's me. aim high for the Super Bowl, work our way down to like. You know community what, though? I want to go to Super Bowl happens. 50, so you know what? I'm good holding off for another year or two. Hmm. Well, you need practice. Yeah, but 50, you'll be working it, so... That Hopefully. may not be all bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope that we get our dreams. And that happens by what? Working hard, developing good friendships, having a good team. Don't be afraid to ask good questions or bad questions. And um, carefully you're drinking, you know. Yeah. Don't drink and drive. That's pretty good. Don't binge drink seven days a week. That should Cut be on a Hallmark floor. card. Wear condoms. Uh, yeah. Put your seatbelt on. you pretty on. much covered the gamut. Wear a seatbelt, tie your shoes. Um, how about this, kids? Just just try your best. Yeah. We're going to dumb this down to like, hey, just try your best. Don't yeah. kill anybody. <laughs> just try not to kill anybody. Give it the old college try. It seems to work around here. So we'll be back next Tuesday. I don't know if we have anyone lined up, but we will have something, right? Got something in the works. It's going to be fun. Sweet. Muzzle, muzzle, people. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom. For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white Bright blessed days, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself.